Let's get rolling. Today's uh, message is uh, a good one. I hope so. I hope this is an encouraging series. Um, the idea of don't give up, hope wins, love wins, is um, it's like a reset for our mind. And I didn't realize we needed more resets than we thought. Um, how do we find hope in a time of great pain and suffering? And the great pain and suffering is not just COVID-19. It's the suffering of uh, disconnections from each other. It's um, uh, losing out on some things that we have taken for granted uh, and now recognizing that. The increased anxiety and stress and mental health um, that uh, is plaguing our community, our country, around the world. This, this is a really big deal. So I want to encourage us not to give up. There is hope, and that has been the theme since this whole COVID-19 thing started in March uh, in 2020. Um, we've, we're not giving up. So I want to begin, and this, this ties into it. Um, if you haven't watched the Still Growing in Grace weekly program uh, that I share every, every Wednesday, 8 a.m., usually every Wednesday, um, we've been talking about multiple topics. I've had guests in, uh, Richard Murray, Bill Thrasher. We've, we've been talking about hell lately. Uh, in the last two episodes that we just did, we were talking about judging, talking about judgment. And so when I saw this, and by the way, when after those two sessions were aired, I realized that this is part of the stress of COVID. This is part of our anxiety right here this very topic of judgment. I didn't realize how big it was, and I'm I'm not done pondering it, but when Henry Nowen wrote about it, I said, I'm going to share this with you because this will be a contributing factor to our health and recovery. So he writes, the burden of judgment. Uh, imagine having no need at all to judge anybody. Imagine having no desire to decide whether someone is a good or bad person. Imagine being completely free from the feeling that you have to make up your mind about the morality of someone's behavior. Imagine that you could say, I am judging no one. Imagine, wouldn't that be true inner freedom? But we can only let go of the heavy burden of judging others when we don't mind carrying the light burden of being judged. Can we free ourselves from the need to judge others? Yes, by claiming for ourselves the truth that we are the beloved daughters and sons of God. And you didn't have any choice in the matter. It just happened. So, Mike, it, it did fit in. I didn't didn't think it would. Uh, I saw your note. I thought, How is that going to fit in? But there it is. It's right here. Holy smokes. As long as we continue to live as if we are what we do and we have and what others think about us, we will remain filled with judgments, opinions, and evaluations and condemnations. We will remain addicted to the need to put people and things in their right place because we're oh so smart at being so right. <laughs> To the degree that we embrace the truth that our identity is not rooted in our success, power, or popularity, we can let go of our need to judge. Do not judge, and you will not be judged, because the judgments you give 
are the judgments you will get. Please go back and watch the last two episodes on judging, parts one and two, uh, that I did in the last couple weeks. It's on my Facebook page. It's also on the YouTube channel under Still Growing Grace Playlist. Fantastic content. I didn't realize how um, we were actually programmed. Do you realize we, we, we have been programmed to judge? Lori and I were talking about this on one of our walks, and it kind of blew me away. I didn't realize that as little children in Sunday school, we're told not to play with certain kids because they weren't believers. As teenagers in youth group, we were told, do not you know, hang out with those who smoke and drink and, and all that stuff uh, and stay pure. Uh, and it, listen, here's what happened. We were set up to judge. It was the, the seeds of us versus them were planted long ago because we have it oh so right better than anyone else. Listen, that's the, the, the curse of the evangelical church. The, the extreme judgmentalism that comes from our churchianity that we grew up with. I taught it. And yet now I look back and I see the high cost of the effect. Okay. You want some health and healing and hope? Let's let's ditch this judging thing. Now, this message is not about judging, but it plays a role in how we navigate forward and finding hope in all this. All right. So really, let's dig into it. Don't give up. Those that are feeling in despair or maybe worn out, don't give up. You might be worn out. Worn out's fine, uh, but you're, you're not done. All right. And so I want to deal with today's message because the last two weeks we're, we, we've been touching on this. But today I want to focus on how to shift our attention from fear and anxiety towards living from a place of peace and rest. This is a big deal. I think this is the crux of the real Christian life. It's to living from a place of rest, uh, working from rest. But what does rest mean? How can we, how can we do this? Well, last time we read this uh, from Romans 15 from the Passion Translation, it says, Whatever was written beforehand is meant to instruct us in how to live. The scriptures impart to us encouragement and inspiration so that we can live in hope and endure all things. Enduring all things without hope is really hard. That's why I'm doing this mini-series, to inspire hope so that as we endure all things, we are constantly looking for having our attention put onto hope and the author of our hope. How do we do this? How do we find hope? We begin with being still. I, I think this is probably the hardest thing to do for all of us, especially if you've got ADHD. Oh my goodness. This is hard. And even if you don't, it's still really, really hard to be still. I, I have some quotes I'm going to share with you. Now, Judy Bergman uh, posted something on her Facebook page this morning, and I quickly stole it like two minutes before uh, we came online because I had to have the PowerPoint all ready and converted for OBS here. And uh, whew, I said I was stealing, and I did. So here's what she wrote. This is, uh, I have three pictures I'm going to share with you on, on what it means to be still and resting, and it'll tie into it if you... For those who have ears to hear the message in these three different memes, may you hear it. You have permission to rest. You are not responsible for fixing everything that is broken. You do not have to try to make everyone happy. <laughs> for now, 
take time for you. It's time to replenish. I love that. Next thought. Ego says, once everything falls into place, I will find peace. Spirit says, find peace and everything will fall into place. That's, this is a, 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 a tapestry of truths, okay? This is one of those pieces. And sometimes we think, well, if I get my ducks in a row, I'll have peace. If I work out and take care of my body and get into physical shape, then I'll have peace. If I, um, but, but that's not how it works. You can fully work out and do all the right things, eat the right foods, do all the right stuff. But if this is not aligned, and if your thinking is not uh, healthy, then all the other work has value, but you're missing the most important. It's up here in your spirit, in your in, in, in the essence of who you are or soul, if you want to call it that. Uh, I think they're, they're interchangeable. So just ponder that one. This is a, a tough one. Listen to this. For those who habituated to high levels of internal stress since early childhood, it is the absence of stress that creates unease, evoking boredom and a sense of meaninglessness. People have become addicted to their own stress hormones, adrenaline and cortisol. Hans uh, Sely, or Sely observed, to such persons, stress feels desirable, while the absence of it feels like something to be avoided. This is not an easy topic. So some of you don't want to go to a place of rest. You don't know that you might be addicted to stress and busyness. I don't know anybody like that. <laughs> so what does the scripture say? What, what can we glean from the scriptures? How can we find hope and light in, in some simple words? So I'm going to share some with you. And I, I hope this will speak to your soul and your mind. Ecclesiastes 3, 7 says, Take time to be silent. Oh, sorry. There's a time to be silent and a time to speak. This comes from... Um, uh, time for everything that's usually read at funerals and uh, the birds wrote a song called turn 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 this is where they stole the lyrics from um, but there is a time to be silent and a time to speak up and some people maybe you should exercise the be silent time more often instead of all the chatter talk 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 or the constant distractions or the constant searching for stimulus that's what that one meme was uh, on uh, habitual stress James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's powerful. Again, I want the scriptures to speak to you. And if the Holy Spirit makes it come alive and gives you a revelation, fantastic. I, I can't give revelation. I can only share and the Holy Spirit's the one who in, in, uh, initiates understanding, insight, and revelation. But this idea of quick to listen, slow to speak. Some of us, I'm very guilty of this. <laughs> Sometimes we have discussions with people and we listen to respond. We don't listen to hear what they said. <sighs> That's hard, especially when you're ramped up, busy, busy, busy. Again, okay, this sermon's for me, all right? This is not for all of you. This, this is for me. I'm speaking to me. 
sometimes I have people tell me, um, you're, you're, you're preaching directly to me. That's not nice of you to do that. It's like, I didn't even know you were listening. And no, I don't, I don't, I don't think of any one specific person ever when I'm doing my, my sharing. <laughs> if anything, I'm pointing to me. Oh yeah, I got stuff to learn here. This is, this is not accomplished. I have not arrived, but I'm inviting you to this because this is a universal theme for all believers and non-believers, whatever they, they have a belief, but just not quite like yours. So I think everyone's a believer. Think about that for a minute. That's, that's cool. I just thought of that. Everyone is a believer. <laughs> All right. Be still. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. This one's good. I know growing up in a home where my mom was very religious and practiced and did whatever the preacher said to do, um, you know, go evangelize. She would go knock on doors. Um, she wanted to see people come to know Jesus. She would walk through the grocery store and stick tracks in every single shopping cart and just just bombard people. And here, this this idea of being still, God doesn't need our help, especially that aggressively. Um, he's going to reach to your loved ones and reveal a better gospel than what you can possibly describe. So chill, learn to rest, let God prepare and make possible the ability to see and hear good news and then respond to it. I think it's the really religious Christians that are the hindrance to most people coming to know who Jesus is because most believers don't look anything like the one they say they follow. That's why people are rejecting church because the followers look nothing like Jesus. Psalm 4610. I'm going to read this from a number of translations, and you'll see why in a moment. But uh, most of you know this, this verse, Be still and know that I am God. Okay? Let's read that slow. Be still and know that I am God. Speaking of God. Okay, next translation. This is from Young's literal translation. Desist. And know that I, God, I am God. Now, Young's literal translation is the most literal type of translation to English we have. It doesn't always grammatically make sense. But I love the word desist. Like, cease, stop, halt. <laughs> it's like a cop yelling, stop! You know, desist! <laughs> stop doing what you're doing. Hmm. Psalm 46.10 from the New American Standard Bible says, Stop striving and know that I am God. Some of us need to know God is God and that you're not. <laughs> it's true. The idea of stop striving. Some people are trying to earn salvation or brownie points with God so that their experience in heaven will be better. There really are people that believe that. Oh, I'm trying to earn my jewels on my crown. Oh, I'm, I want the, I don't want wood, hay, and stubble burned off. I want to keep all the good stuff. Well, you're trying so hard. You're actually generating wood, hay, and stubble. Stop striving in self-effort. All right? That's not what abiding looks like. King James Version says, Be still and know that I am God. Are you starting to get the picture? 
the message translation, I love this. Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God. Above politics. Ooh, above everything. I didn't say politics. It did. <laughs> Step out of the traffic. And that is a, that, that, this captures a beautiful essence of what we need to hear today. Now, you may say, well, things aren't that busy out there. Yes, they are. Where busyness on the roads and traffic, especially when we had stay-at-home orders, the busyness shifted from outside to up here. Your busyness is in your mind. Do we know how to slow our mind down? Um, I, I have this thing that I, I've talked about using, and I've used it a few times, but I haven't for a while. And it's a, it's a contraption to help measure if I'm calm or not. It's, it's called Muse, M-U-S-E. Um, it fits on your forehead. It's, it works with an app, and it's a breathing exercise tool. And I know the fire department uses it for individuals that are going through critical stress uh, syndrome. Um, um, when they face a, 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 an issue or a, a scene that is tragic and they deal with um, critical stress. It, it's, a de, it's a tool designed to teach you how to control your mind and calm so that it's not just reacting to all the busyness. Step out of the traffic. That's, that's pretty good. Maybe you're, not just your life might be too busy, but your brain might be too busy and you might be addicted to stimulants and what i mean by is it could be tv shows it could be watching sports it could be shopping it could be amazoning uh by the way don't click and drink uh, on amazon <laughs> i saw that meme the other day i thought it was funny this is a time that we need to realize that we're probably distracted so much or don't know how to calm down calm our minds we're we're worried way too much about situations that haven't happened yet um, we're dwelling and focusing on all that may happen and fantasize about it. And we're exhausted from it. And we create backup plans that, for things that haven't even happened yet. Be still. Step out of the traffic. Stop it. <laughs> Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. <laughs> Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Fret not. Be still and wait patiently. God is big enough to get our attention. And I, I have a hunch, listen to this, I think God's going to let you feel peace when you practice what he has already shown us. He's already given us tools and suggestions of how to calm. Psalm 62.5 says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. You need hope? Then wait. Contemplate. Find a way to not uh, be distracted by TV, internet, reading, the news. S turn it all off for periods of time. Ten minutes, half hour, an hour, something. And you're going to be shocked at what happens. Go for a walk. Job 6.24, teach me and I will be silent. Make me understand how I have gone astray. <laughs> That's wild. I, th I think there's the fruit of teaching is silence. Those that 
don't know how to be silent are probably not very teachable. Hmm. Isaiah 32, 17. The work of righteousness is peace. And the result of righteousness is quietness and confidence forever. Some of you have never seen these verses before. They're jumping at me. They're screaming at me. First hmm. Thessalonians 4, 11. And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs. It says it. And to work with your hands as we instructed you. Young's literal translation uh, transit, translates it like this. And to study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands. So sometimes we're minding everyone else's business and not our own. Most of our worries can come from not minding our own business. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit speak to you on that one. Jesus modeled a way to contemplate, especially when he was preparing for a major task in Luke 4. Uh, after Jesus was baptized, he spent 40 days praying in the wilderness. After this, he then began his public ministry. He took time to rest. He went to be quiet. That's a good example. He also took time to recharge. In Mark 6, Jesus sent the 12 disciples out to ministry. When they returned, he encouraged them to rest from people and work. Holy smokes, can you believe that? This is Jesus talking. The one who was sent to the people. He's saying, rest from people and work. There is a need for resting. So we do need to recharge. That's kind of cool. Can you believe this one? He, he went and was still because he had to work through grief after jesus learned that his cousin john the baptist had been beheaded he went away by himself even the son of god grieves oh yeah and when you don't grieve when your body and mind and emotions are telling you to uh, you think that you can avoid it by being distracted you're not helping anything you will grieve. It's just, it's going to take a lot longer. And if you keep suppressing it, it's going to come out in ways that are very uncomfortable. You need to see a counselor about that. Psychologist, somebody. Jesus modeled taking off and resting before making an important decision. Early in his ministry, Jesus spent the whole night alone in prayer. The next day, he chose his 12 disciples. That's a big decision who to pick. Do we do that before big decisions? Are we just, okay, let's gather the facts, let's get a pro-con list. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or do we stop and pause and even pray? Said, Father, here is my concerns about this decision I need to make. Please help me. Show me peace. And if I get a response, great. If I don't hear response, I'm going to trust your peace and choose. Trust that you are choosing through me. It's a great prayer. Jesus modeled getting away in a time of distress. Hours before Jesus was arrested, he went to the Mount of Olives and went a short distance away from his disciples to pray. He was in great emotional agony, knowing what he was about to face. He took off. He didn't go down to the bar and get drunk and say, this is my last meal. All right, let's see, at least feel good. He did not do that. He took time to contemplate, to pray, and to, to gain connection again, at least the emotional, intellectual connection with his Heavenly Father that he was already one with. Powerful. He also modeled 
this idea of resting so that he could focus on prayer. He did this all the time. Many times in Jesus' ministry, he spent time alone in prayer. We see the disciples so intrigued, they even asked, Hey, with all this prayer stuff, can you teach us how to pray? And he did. There's value to resting. I'm not saying resting equals prayer, but I think they're joined at the hip. I think they're interlinked. I think when we go to rest and contemplate and think and pray, there's a rest involved there. And don't be afraid to fall asleep. If you're trying to pray and rest and suddenly you conk out, that's great. Your body's saying, finally, Just keep practicing the presence of God in you, finding ways to rest. It will come in greater um, value the more you practice it. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. This is King James Version. So when we're praying and yielding, this is, this is what's happening. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Let's read it from another translation, from the message. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. And this is part of the reason to rest, to stop, to pause, to pray, is to learn to hear the voice of the spirit in us. And all the extra stations that are on loudly blaring uh, will slowly be turned down or off so that we can actually hear and engage with the one who is one with us. From the Passion Translation, I love this. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and to accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Wow! That, that, listen, this is, this is like our um, benediction right there. It's powerful. Ephesians 3.20 from the New Living Translation says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. You've got a pretty good list in your head of things you can dream of. Well, it's nothing. That list is all stroked off because God's list is even bigger and wider than you can even imagine. What does the word infinitely mean? I took this from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> Listen to this. This is infinite, all right? I love this definition. Bigger than the biggest thing ever, and then some. Much bigger than that. In fact, really amazingly immense. A totally stunning size. Real? Wow. That's big time. Infinitely is just so big that by comparison, bigness itself looks really titchy. Gigantic multiplied by colossal multiplied by staggeringly huge is the sort of concept we're trying to get across here. <laughs> ah, God can do infinitely more than you can imagine or dream. In your rest, I know this can be hard to see, but... Uh, um, this is a, uh, in fact, come back and pause this or take a picture of this or I'll post it afterwards. This is a, a really neat meditative way to end with today on how do we then rest? 
You're, you're talking about resting. You're talking about praying. How? Well, let this be a teaser. And we'll talk more about this next week. Breathe in the breath of God. Breathe out your cares and concerns. Breathe in the love of God. Breathe out your doubts and despairs. Breathe in the grace of God. Breathe out your fears and frustrations. Breathe in the breath of God. Breathe out your tensions and turmoil. Breathe in the love of God. Breathe out your haste and hurry. Breathe in the grace of God. Breathe out your waste and worry. Sit quietly before the Father who gives life and love to all creation. Sit in adoration before the Son who redeems us all from our sin. Sit in peace filled with the breath of the Holy Spirit who renews every fiber of our being. Sit in awe before the glory of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Breathe that in today. I hope this hits your heart in a really neat way. I don't know where I got that from. I think it's from the Open Table Conference. I think it is, or from one of them. Uh, if somebody remembers where it's from, let me know. Um, but that I just love that. 